Thanks for tuning in to MANA, a short daily meditation to feed hungry souls with God's Word. These episodes were prepared by ordained ministers for a radio broadcast called Voice of the Church and are now republished by the Reformed Perspective Foundation, a Canadian charity that applies biblical truth to the issues of our time. Here's today's serving. Hello, dear listeners. Work comes in many forms. For some, it is at home. For others, away from home. For some, it is paid well. For others, it doesn't meet their needs. For some, there is plenty of work, and others are still looking for work. Some are giving it their all. Others have little strength. For some, work is a joy, but for others, work is a struggle. Some make it their idol. All they do is work. For others, work is a necessary evil, and therefore they'll try to do as little of it as possible. How do you look at work? Perhaps you wonder, does the Bible speak about work? Yes, it surely does. Israel in the Old Testament was instructed to work, but at the same time, God gave time for relaxation. As the apostles made disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe what Christ had instructed, they included instructions about work. And we see this, for example, in 1 Thessalonians 4. Let's start with keeping in mind the context in that chapter. And this letter wants to further instruct the believers in Thessalonica because Paul and Silas had to leave in a hurry. The verses 1 and 2 of chapter 4 set the context. We are called to live in such a way that we please God. That was applied in the first place to avoiding sexual immorality. And that is now applied to their work ethics, the way they do their daily work. So the context is, live in order to please God. Why do they have to live in order to please God? because they have been set apart by God for himself through the sacrifice of Christ. Also here applies what we saw earlier. Your redemption must show. God's grace has to permeate our work. Was there a problem in Thessalonica with regard to this? Or is this simply ongoing education, part of growing in Christ? Well, perhaps it was both. We do read in First and Second Thessalonians that the church is instructed to admonish those who were idle, to stay away from a brother who is idle. Perhaps there were brothers who indeed were idle. They were lazy. At the same time, it's also ongoing education. In the Greek and Roman culture, manual labor was looked down upon. The goal The ideal of a man was to be so well off that he did not need to work with his hands. Manual labor was for the poor, for the slaves, and in addition it was expected of the rich that they would give to the poor. Over time, this became a matter of showing off. If you had many people you provided for, it meant that you were well off. Of course, It meant that the poor who depended on the rich were no longer free to do what they wanted. All this also led to people being idle and caused unrest. And then on a certain day, Paul, 
Silas and Timothy came into town, and they preached the gospel. We know from other letters as well that among the believers there were prominent people, business people, masters, but also servants and slaves. To all of them come now the instructions of the Lord Jesus. Paul speaks with the authority of Christ. And what is the instruction? We find it in verse 11, which begins with the words, Make it your ambition. Ambition implies focus and dedication. An ambitious person is one who has goals and wants to make sure he reaches these goals. And so here too, give it your full attention. What should be the object of their ambition? Three things. To lead a quiet life. To mind your own business. To work with your own hands. Let's start with the first. To lead a quiet life. What is a quiet life? Well, quiet is not the same as being passive, not saying anything. Instead, it means not causing problems at work or in your neighborhood. Idleness can lead to disturbing the peace. Secondly, the believers have to be ambitious to mind their own business. No, that does not mean don't care for others. The Bible is very clear that we are called to care for others. What our text means is not sticking your nose in other people's business. In 2 Thessalonians 3, we read about such busybodies, people who think they have to run the affairs of others. No, stay with yourself. Make sure your life reflects the gospel. And in the third place, make it your ambition to work with your own hands. I mentioned that manual labor was looked down upon in Greek society. It said, the less you do, the better it is. The gospel says, work with your own hands so that you do not depend on others. All three instructions have to do with how we work and puts in the center the question of why we have to work. Is it to make sure I have a comfortable retirement? Remember the context. We have to live lives that reflect the gospel of Jesus Christ. Your attitude towards work and the way you work, whether it is paid work or not, whether you are in the workforce or retired, it is in Christ. It has to reflect the fact that Christ laid claim to your life. Adam was created to work. No, it was not slavery, but work, God-glorifying work. And after falling into sin, he still called to work. But now work becomes more difficult. The Lord spoke in his curse about sweat and thistles. The people of Israel experienced this curse as well when they served Pharaoh as slaves and had no rest. But the Lord brought them out and led them to Canaan. Sure, they had to work in their new land, but were also allowed to relax and rest. Their redemption meant no more slave labor, but now working the land to serve God and to enjoy his gifts. In the same way, our redemption in Christ means that we work for the Lord. Laziness is not consistent with the Christian faith. Our work is to be done for God's glory and that will have wonderful consequences.
Verse 12 gives the consequences, and two are mentioned. First, in this way you win the respect of outsiders. They will notice. They know that you are a believer, and now they see it does not make you a busybody, an idler, but one who is reliable. Because of their conversion, the Thessalonians were now working in a different way. It is as if Paul is saying, Your unbelieving masters and fellow citizens may be suspicious of your change, but your work ethic will show them that you are not out to disturb the peace or to turn society upside down. Our work habits have to adorn the gospel. The second consequence of your new approach to work is that you are independent. Being paid by a rich person can make them dependent on that person, and that could interfere with their faith. As believers, we depend first and foremost on God. This being independent does not mean that believers have to isolate themselves from everything, but it shows that you can take care of yourself. It's the evidence that you are not out to take advantage of others and their goodwill by living off handouts. Again, in the way we do our work, we have to make the gospel visible. In Second Thessalonians 3, Paul has to come back to it. He has to be more to the point. For there he says, We command you in the name of Jesus Christ, avoid every brother who is idle. That shows how serious this is. For such an idle person is not living according to the apostolic teaching. The apostles heard that some were idle and had become busybodies. Says Paul, We command them to settle down and to earn their own bread. And to the church, Paul says, Do not help them and so promote a lazy attitude. If a man will not work, he shall not eat. If he does not work, then do not provide for him either. This may sound harsh, but it is a means to promote a God-glorifying lifestyle. The Bible is clear when it comes to work. Make it your ambition to please God in your work. Work is not a necessary evil. Oh yes, our fall into sin has caused work to become more difficult, and our work is not always as successful as we hope, but in Christ we can serve God in our work. What is more wonderful than to know that the Creator of heaven and earth is pleased with our work? We work to serve Him. Laziness is inconsistent with the gospel. Work may never become our idol. We do not serve ourselves. We do not serve mammon. We serve our God. Do you work that way? You can when you follow Christ. Then your work is not in vain. Amen. And thank you so much for listening. <laughs> 